It's episode one of the BTS Cinema Podcast. I'm Will Stewart. Today's guest, writer-director Micah Taylor. If you are someone with a head full of brilliant ideas, of just the best stories ever told, and they're just in your head, then you're a dreamer. If you're someone with a decent to bad idea who has written and given that story to people, you're a writer. You can have the best ideas ever, but if they're not produced, if they're not out there, uh, then you're not a filmmaker. But if you are making stuff and you're producing stuff, you can hone your craft and get better. But yeah, I just think you have to do it. And, And if there's one thing I've learned, it's that there's a community that wants to do it with you. Micah Taylor is a writer and director who approaches filmmaking with a childlike wonder. One of my favorite things to do is go to the movies with him. He, he laughs, he cries, he ugly cries. He doesn't care in the very best possible way. It's like going to the movies with someone who has never been. But he's not just a consumer of films. He also makes them. He created his first short film in 2010 called How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse and has since gone on to create multiple award-winning short films, including Shelter County and House Lights. He also has a web series on Amazon called Unsuper. In this episode, we learn how he creates indie short films, his methods for writing, how he grows from filmmaking, and his undying love for Ryan Gosling. We also discuss his latest short, House Lights. It's a story about a young director and playwright who juggles her cast and critics as she attempts to put on her very first show. I don't think that a person should be held personally accountable for the things that they say and do while inebriated. I'm pretty sure that's the same argument used at every single domestic abuse trial. Okay, well, I'm just going to go out and give a really good curtain speech, so... <laughs> what now? Yeah, nope. Not a good idea. You know how you get... Don't care what you... you say. Don't care what any of you say, okay? I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix the whole night. No, if you would just... So, Micah Taylor, welcome to the show. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, there's this Micah Taylor fan club that knows you as this prolific indie director and writer <laughs> who creates these web series and these shorts. But um, you're still getting your name out. Who are the to, to those people who may not know you? Introduce yourself and, and tell them about your work. Yeah. So I have been at the short film filmmaking, commercial making game for about eight years now. Uh My first ever short film was uh, my final student project at Anderson University, where I went. It's called How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, Boy, I sure have grown since then, uh, which I'm sure most (laughs) people can say (laughs) when looking back at their old work. But uh, no, that was was still a fun film, such a great um, experience to work with. But uh, yeah, so I made that back in 2010. And then uh, actually you and I shot what I would consider kind of the second iteration of me as a filmmaker, which was shelter County. And, uh, I believe that was 2014. Uh, does that sound right? You were there. Um, yeah. And I think that sort of set me on a path of, uh, doing so much more when it comes to production quality, uh, expectation of what I could do, what our crews could do, what actors could do. Um, and I've been making films and series for the last four years um, with a lot of the same community and crew, uh, just returning actors, returning crew, which I uh, 
I just love it. I love the community here. Uh, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. So um, I just love the community here. It's a small but blossoming community full of some really incredible, very willing um, talent. And uh, yeah, so I've been shooting here. Um, so let's just go back like in a time machine, go way back uh, to the very beginning yeah. when you were just a, a, a glimmer in your parents' eye. Um, what's yeah. your first uh, film man. memory? Can I give two? Because I have two that I think are early yeah, sure. and influence me. All right. Yeah, so it. the first one, this one isn't that exciting, but um, in looking at timelines when it comes to, uh, uh, I guess, my timeline, uh, years that films came out, I guess 1995 dates to my first memory, and that was Toy Story. Mm. <laughs> and uh, if this yeah. tells you anything about my uh, crazy insecurity, I remember seeing Toy Story six years old and thinking this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It changes my life. Um, but thinking like what a little kid movie. I can't tell anyone I've seen this. I won't be cool anymore. And then showed up and like every single friend I had the next day had either a Woody toy or a Buzz Lightyear toy, depending on if they were jerks or really humble. You know, I think you side with one of those two people. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I've seen that movie too. I'm cool. I've seen that movie and I liked it. Um, so just, that was one thing that kind of taught me just to like what you like. Uh, um, but then the other really, um, the one that really sticks around too is in 1997, uh, they re-released what many people would lament was the, like Lucas's first pass on, CGIing mm. up the original Star Wars trilogy, but um, yes. my parents got it for me on VHS. And as a kid, you don't know that Job of the Hut looks so dumb now that he's CGI. Um, but I was eight years old, seeing Star Wars for maybe the first time, and it was life changing. Um, I I don't want to use that like flippantly, but it it kind of was like it took me away to a place I'd never been. I've always mm. been a Han Solo guy since eight years old. Uh, I just thought the characters were incredible. Uh, you know, this is before kids nowadays grow up with Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings and, and, and so, so much cool different universe stuff they see. But f- prior to like 2000, like early 2000s, what we had was Star Wars. And there were other great yeah, sure. sci-fi films, especially from the 80s, but to really be taken to a different place, Star Wars was the thing. And I think it, it's very influential to uh, even just having an imagination as a kid. Was that your first time to see Star Wars? I think so. I think I'd seen one. Um, my my timeline's a bit hazy just from that whole time of my life. But I think they re-released them in movie theaters right before that VHS release. I think... Um, uh, but I think the first time I ever saw the whole trilogy in its entirety was when we got them on good old uh, non-widescreen VHS tape. What happened along your life to compel you to say, okay, I want to be a writer-director. I want to start getting into the film industry. Was it that moment? Like, did you walk out of Toy Story going, <laughs> I must do this for life? Or um, oh. kind of like, take us through, like, what was that that journey like for you? You know, as a kid, I didn't read a lot. I didn't like reading. It wasn't, it didn't come natural to me. And my mom, uh, who's just such a cool person and a very smart lady and a a wonderful mother, she 
I just wasn't picking up on reading. So she saw, she just thought, what the heck? I'm going to get him comic books. So she picked up comic books and she gave me a bunch of comic books. And from then on, I was just a reader. I was a reader of comics, non-comics, nice. everything. Just loved it. And I think the things I loved about comics were that they come out monthly and it's this series. Month after month after month, you come back and get a little more story. Um, so I've always gravitated towards just long-form storytelling. Um, I've loved that. And reason like for me, it's they call it the golden era of TV right now. And, and that's a wonderful thing for me because... I love that yeah, sequential sure. storytelling. So, um, always into that. Wrote, I've been writing comics and short stories since I was a child. Um, and then a fateful day when I was rummaging through my grandfather's closet because he used to have this giant sword. And I knew that if I like got through all of his coat racks, I could get this giant sword and play with it, even though I wasn't supposed to, because I could probably cut <laughs> one of my sister's heads off. And, um, yeah. before I got to the sword, I found this old, like, high eight, uh, recorder. Actually, I think at the time his first camera was a VHS recorder. And uh being the cool grandfather he was, he's like, "Yeah, I mean, I just feel me all open in presents with that at Christmas and otherwise it just sits there, so why don't why don't you take it?" And um nice. Yeah, so I I just shot, you know, literally <laughs> started making short films when I was probably and I say that in quotation mark short films, but uh probably from the time I was 9 or 10 years old with my friends, wow. we would just make little stories. And my grandfather was a really cool guy. He was, uh, he bought popular mechanics and he would like read them cover to cover and then hand them to me from the time I was, you know, 10 years old or so. Um, and he just loved being up to date on technology. He was a mechanic in the air force. Um, and so he was like this chronic technology guy. And so every time a new video camera came out, he would buy it and then I would steal it. So I, I went from like full size VHS to the little tiny high eight tapes mm. to um, like digital hard drives back when they had like 32 gig built in digital hard drive and in the camera. Um, and I just filmed and filmed and filmed. I think I bought my first camera when I was a senior in high school. Um, and I just filmed, you know, soccer player. So I would just film us and, and cut together some footage at the end of the year to show the team. Um, so yeah, I made just, I just documented my life. That's actually the more embarrassing thing to find than the films I shot as a child would be the hours and hours of my life in high school that I documented, um, that nobody wants to see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were vlogging before it was cool. I, I really was. I went and you know, that's before even YouTube. Um, right, yeah. so yeah, then I, I went to college. I started as a, a music major i changed in my first 24 hours of being there to a education major and then after a semester and a half i changed to a communications major um i was a secondary english education teacher which is again kind of honing in on that writing piece um yeah. and so i finished with an english minor and i uh, did a lot of creative writing classes in college and communications uh, at Anderson at the time, you can specialize, I think, in, in broadcast now. But at the time, it was sort of like a, a jack of all trades, quasi master of none. Um, but video is just, I just kept gravitating back to that uh, and had a professor who, in a really cool way, was just really in touch with what his students wanted to do. And so he changed our senior seminar class 
to a video production class. And that's actually where I made my first short film. Uh, and then was that the uh, zombie one? Yeah, that was the zombie one with, uh, I mean, the, the cool thing, a little piece of history, there's an actress, Emily Fincher, who, uh, starred in shelter County. And, uh, she was like a freshman. I was a senior. She was a freshman at the time. And I just like roped her into being in that film. And, uh, she's really good. She's really funny in it. I mean, she's, you know, better at her craft than I am at the time. And, uh, but yeah, then five, six years later, post-college, uh, and you know what, uh, Jonathan Rains, who's also in Shelter County and a lot of the stuff you, you and I, and he, we all work together a lot. He's in a lot of our stuff. Um, he was an extra, like he's a zombie that gets shot in the head in that movie. He wasn't even in, in acting at the time. Um, but I just roped in these two freshmen and they ended up being, (laughs) you know, really great actors that I've worked with since. Like that was nowhere near the best thing I was capable of as a writer director. Right. Yeah. It's your first work. So it's, it's, you know, you're, you're proud of it in the sense that there's labor that has happened and something has been created by, you know, lovely people, but right. You know, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, and shot it on DSLR. I was the the director and most of the times the cinematographer and camera op on it. Um, So, yeah, uh, there was a there's a there's a camera move in that one that I uh, I saw. um, I think when we first met, uh, I was looking you up and I saw like this camera move where you you uh, the camera was kind of like in between two people while they were talking. And you pan left and yeah. right and left and right during the, I, I love that. So I, I ended up stealing that for a uh, password. Whenever I shot cool. that, I did the whole left, right. That was completely from the zombie apocalypse. And I, I didn't give you any credit. That's okay. That makes me feel so much better about the film, actually, that someone like you would, uh, would use an idea you got from it. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I think it validates yeah. It a little. Um, yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll put that, that video in the show notes. Um, cool. we'll link to it or something so that people can, can see the, the very beginnings, the very um, beginnings. So fun. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So what were some movies that impacted you growing up? Like, I know you're talking about, you know, your first film and kind of like that, how that impacted you. I've seen Toy, Toy Story and Star Wars, but you know, it's going in, you know, it's a long time from, six years old up to, to where you are now, but just were there some key ones that you saw this and you just like really entrenched you and you said like, this is what I want to do. I love writing and directing. And these are great examples of, of it, of it been being done well. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously star Wars. I've already mentioned that one, but I'll just throw it in there again. I've already kind of said why, um, yeah. oh, man, there's so many, I can say like in the past, let, because my brain will explode if I try to really think of this. So maybe I'll limit it to things that have really influenced me over the past decade, maybe. Um, I think three that are really influencing over the past decade and maybe a little further back, but uh, I saw children of men. um, Mm. And I think that was the first time I watched something. And that made me want to be a director of photography, actually. Um, Mm. Just, I think I just watched that. And for the first time I thought there's a lot to making a movie that pieces just fall together and you can create sort of this visual story. I mean, I think children of men is visually as close to a masterpiece as I think I've seen. Um, and yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, and the, the one takes on those things where they, oh, I think yeah. these, these long takes in the, the, the car scene where they're, 
being attacked yeah. and chased. Oh my goodness. And, and the and the city scene, I think that was one. I think honestly, if if I think about movies that effectively emotionally affected me emotionally, um, there's a scene when the the spoiler alert, but it's like twelve years old, so just watch it, people. <laughs> um uh the child's born and he's carrying the child through a city where all this violence is going on. And the baby is mm-hmm. literally like an hour old. If that, um, a newborn and the newborn's crying while there's all these explosions. And it's this one take where they just follow him carrying this baby. Um, I mean, there's a point where like dirt hits the lens and it's just there for the rest of the, oh, yeah. you know, like for the rest of the scene. Um, mm-hmm. and I know nowadays we see a lot of those long ones. I think it's like, coming into style, like the type of story you can tell when you just linger somewhere. Um, but that was one of the earliest ones I remember where I was just shocked where my mind saw this movie, you know, I'm just digesting a movie. It's just fun. And then that was the first time my mind flipped to this switch and was like, Oh, the, the technical prowess and planning that it took to get this shot to tell this story, uh, is incredible. And so it's insane. crazy. I think I watched it maybe as a a junior or senior in high school. And that's when I thought, man, there's a lot that goes into making a movie and I want to be part of it. Um, And then a couple years later, this is a more recent, actually, I think it's coming up on maybe like it's eight year anniversary. Um, But this will be no surprise to you, but drive (laughs) the movie drive. (laughs) Of course. um, I mean, I love Ryan Gosling and uh, not to bad mouth anyone, but he's great in Deadpool. uh, (laughs) <laughs> where's the hang up button on this yeah, podcast I'm, I'm such a troll <laughs> and, and for um, those that are listening i do that all the time like he loves ryan gosling and i think he's great as well um i don't have anything against him but when you're around somebody that, that loves ryan gosling so much you can't help but just needle him as as much as you can so sorry i'm a, I'm a terrible terrible host Yep, it's it's fine, Will. It's fine. I, I only will bad talk you behind your back, so you'll never know. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I, I like Ryan, I like all the actors. Love the actors. Every actor in that yeah. is just stellar. I mean, Brian Cranston, um, Oscar Isaac, I just love. Um, not to mention the incredible female cast, who probably does not either of them get enough credit. But anyway, I, I digress because I could talk about it all day. But that's one where um, that director, I'm not. He's a great director, but I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of of his other work. Um, and the guy who wrote the script, again, he's he's a great script writer, but I'm not necessarily it does not all of his other stuff really appeals to me. Um, but that was this movie that like the sum of its parts were just very close to a flawless movie for me. It, it had a very well defined mood. Uh, it had a very well defined um, look aesthetic, the characters without saying much oh, yeah. are also still so fleshed out so well. Um, it's one of those movies where the care, what they do really defines the type of person they are. There's very little dialogue. And, uh, I just think that is next level stuff to me. Um, yeah. so that's another a world one. That's very familiar, um, but it yeah. looks a, just so different. It's, it's, yes. it could be star Wars for instance, could, you know, and that's a fully developed fictional world, but yet yes. you could turn a corner of any city and be there. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things Nicholas Winding Reif and the director said is he wanted to create his, if you listen to him describe that movie, he'll say it's a modern day fairy tale. And when you look at it, you're like, that's, I mean, it doesn't feel like a fairy. It doesn't, it's not a fairy tale on its face, but when you, 
I mean, just like you said, it's it, it could be just it's so familiar, but it could also be just as much of a fantasy world. Um, so yeah. I think he and the, the color, the oh, gels, goodness, yes, oh, yeah. gels for days. Mm, yeah, and that elevator scene, so good. Yeah, uh, yes, and that's another. The greatest thing about that scene is um, that one of the things that impressed on me as a writer too is that elevator scene you run every emotion, like you run the whole emotional gambit of it's this very romantic scene. And then it turns to this very intense violence scene. And the violence is not necessarily entertaining violence. It's just part of the, it plays in a part of the story. Um, And, and I guess I can roll right into my, my final one. If I could do a third one, Um, speaking of violence um, is Fargo. Uh, I think, the the Cohen brother. I mean, my son's name is Cohen. <laughs> um, they they uh, have had a and and the runner up name for him was Nolan. By the way, we had to kind of flip a coin between <laughs> the two of those. Um, and uh, it, it, that was the first movie I watched that was so funny, but it wasn't like Pineapple Express. It wasn't like mm. crude slapstick situational com- I guess it kind of is situational comedy but it's the first yeah, time sure. I found myself laughing and like wondering if I should be laughing and the Coens just <laughs> right. do that so well um mm. and uh yeah so I think that I wouldn't necessarily say I mean I guess my humor my sense of humor is on par with the Coens um but not I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say I would write everything like them but I think my influence and my style more and more and more is in that dark comedy feel that um, if I look at influences, I just think like Cohen a lot. I think my latest script I sent to an actor was like, this reminds me a lot of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I just thought, mm. of course it does. <laughs> it's not what I thought of, but of course it reminds you of of something Cohen. Um, they, yeah, they just made a, a I think they've made the biggest impact on my writing style. Um, and they, they're the masters of flipping from a tense scene to oh, yeah. a playful one oh, yeah. without feeling like without destroying the tension. Yes. Um, yes. You know, yep. like I think there's some like, and I think, you know, that's sometimes modern movies that want to be funny and glib and, and happy sometimes ruin the emotion. Because they're, they're 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 pulling up to a, to an emotional scene and then they they like undercut it with humor, yes. but the Coen oh, brothers yeah. have found a way to to balance that so well. Mm-hmm. But the, you're right. I mean, you, you laugh, but you you're not really wanting to. Yeah, and that's what every scene of a Coen brothers movie feels like. Not dirty, but just like um, like you laugh and then you catch yourself and you're like, ooh, I, I hope it, it, if someone were to see me laughing at this guy falling into a wood chipper right now, which is, is, you know, Fargo. Um, it, is that okay? Like, it, but yeah, they do that. They don't take you out of the moment, but they, um, they just service their story and their character so well, and they can manipulate your emotions from, uh, cringing to laughing in the, in the flick of a wrist and, and not take you out of the story. Yeah. I mean, I think no country for old men is probably one of my favorite Coen mm. brothers. Um, and of course there's not really any comedy in that one that I remember. Um, yeah. but just so much tension and oh, oh, yeah. like that scene where the, um, 
the the killer is chasing this guy and finally they they wind up in a hotel room together and they're sitting across mm-hmm. from each other and the killer knows he's going to kill kill him the guy knows he's going to die you know mm-hmm. something's going to happen <laughs> and you just sit there for what feels like about 3 hours waiting for it to happen yeah and it happens it's just like ooh yep. no control men's a great example of it it's not a horror movie but it so feels like one during so many scenes where you have yes. this force of nature of a guy that you don't know anything about. Uh, you have so little of his backstory. You have so little of his reason for what he does. Um, and you're just scared because he's so unpredictable. And yet it, it's not a horror film, but you get all the emotions you would if you were watching you know, some lesser movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so how do you digest movies like this, you know, mm-hmm. as someone who's wanting to hone their craft and mm-hmm. um, be better at what you do? Uh, you know, when you see something uh, that's just a, a masterpiece and just hits you right in the feels um, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, man. I mean, like you and I watched Logan Lucky um, yeah. a couple months ago when it first came out. And that's another one that's just so good. Um, oh, yeah. And I think... Uh, maybe one of one of uh, Soderbergh's best, personally. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I agree. So, like, how do you digest movies and uh, scripts, and and kind of what's your way of of educating yourself? Because education goes way beyond just um, just the classroom and the college. Every time I watch a film, um, especially if I get the honor and the pleasure of watching it in a theater, I, I try my best just to get completely lost in it, um, digest it. I mean, just take it, consume it for what it is the first time around. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously like with children of men or, or the new blade runner, there are going to be feats of filmmaking that are just so incredible that I can't help, but, but look at it. Um, th- three billboards was another one when it comes to writing. Um, I just think that that film was so well written that, like as a writer, it took me out a couple of times where I thought, what a great way that, you know, um, they did that there. But I try to always the first time, just take it in, uh, enjoy it for what it is. And then the second time, whether it's in a, a movie theater or at home, um, analyze everything, uh, from my own set of eyes. And then if I have the time, I love to watch it with a director's commentary to hear what their, purpose for it was what they're um you know what they think it is um what they meant for it to be and and then what's awesome is sometimes it's different sometimes i and whole audiences will get something very different than what the writer or director meant for it to be and that's also one of the beauties of filmmaking i think you know there's tons of websites um and podcasts the writer's panel podcast is great uh just interviewing TV and movie writers all the time. And you hear about their nuts and bolts process to what time do you wake up and start writing to um, what, what themes, I mean like that's a really great podcast. And then the, uh, the DGA podcast is really great just to have, it has um, directors interview other directors about their film. So there's one where Chris Nolan interviews (laughs) Edgar Wright about baby driver, which is everything I've ever wanted in life. Um, I've just been reading scripts like crazy. I mean, almost every year around this time of year when the Oscar nominations are being submitted, it's so easy and legal 
to get your hands on uh, screenplays uh, yeah. that for the nominated films. And so um, like right now I'm, I'm working my way through, as I mentioned earlier, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, I'm working my way through that script as if it was a novel, um, just reading uh, what was on the page and, and how, how, what did and didn't make it to the screen. Um, so that's probably been my, my biggest process now is just reading scripts and seeing how the people and the films that I love seeing how, you know, what the skeleton of that movie yeah, was. Sure. That's awesome. That's a great, great tip. Um, something I've, I do something similar, although I'm not a writer, I guess I'm a, I'm a frustrated writer, but I'm not a director. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll get the script and then I'll find a, a, a movie that's been released. It's not in theater still. Um, and I will take a section of that script and read, you know, like the first scene or something like that, you know, uh, the mm-hmm. first you know, 10 pages or whatever. And then like, imagine how I would film it. And then yeah. watch watch the movie, like watch that those ten pages, and then That's I'll pause really cool. it and I'll read the script and do that. It takes it's, I mean, it takes forever <laughs> to do it that way. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> so you have to like really be dedicated. But um, that's interesting. That's that's cool that you do that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's an incredible like your process. That's a I don't think I would have thought of that, but that's really cool. And even I mean, as a cinematographer, obviously that's a huge resource, but I'm going to steal that because even as a director, um, I think it's good to know like what coverage you get of your actors and, and of your, uh, I think that's one of my weak points is just thinking of coverage. Uh, I'll think this is the emotion I want from the scene. You know, I think this shot would serve the actor well, or this shot would serve Mm -hmm. the story well. Um, but I got to think more and more about what shot would serve the the editor well um right. and giving them <laughs> so they don't options come back and kill you. Yep. right you know you want to be nice to them because you know they've got hours <laughs> you, you're done and they've got hours in a dark room with no friends um no but uh yeah so i'm just like learning coverage i think that the process you described would be phenomenal for directors to do as well when you left college did you have this this thought of man i really want to be a director and do this full time or was it in your head of, of this would be cool if, if I did a part time, like kind of like what was your ambition and how have you gone to, to do that? Yeah. So, um, when I left college, the dream was to work in, I'll call it video production, not necessarily film or, or, um, or our filmmaking, but I definitely would have loved to have made my living from working with a video camera. Um, and so right out of college, I worked with a production company, uh, for a little while and then, uh, work kind of died down there. And eventually I got sort of an, an in-house, a job doing in-house video production, um, for a company in Greenville, um, pretty big international company. Uh, but I also did, in addition to video, I I did marketing, social media marketing, uh, trade show planning. So, uh, it wasn't just video video was maybe, you know, 20% of the component. Um, but I did a lot of, of, uh, marketing and communications, which is what I got my major in technically. Um, over two years, I love the people I worked with and for there. Um, but I became, um, discontent with really doing anything besides using a video camera. Mm. And so, um, 
I, I called the, I put in my two week notice. Finally, I, I decided I was going to strike it out on my own. And, um, when I put in my, my notice to the top dog, she was out of town, um, the CFO. So I called her and kind of let her know what I was doing. And, and she was sad, which, you know, made me feel good. Not, not, not that she's sad, but like, it's good to, <laughs> right. to, for people not to say good riddance, but to say, Oh, we wish we had you longer. Um, yeah, sure. but what I told her is I had so much to learn from her. If I wanted to be head of a marketing company, you know, or head of, head of marketing in a company, I could learn so much from her, mm-hmm. but I was realizing that what I wanted to learn and grow in was video. And so we mm-hmm. parted on great terms. Um, again, I thought my living would be made as a camera operator and I still do make, um, my living, uh, probably 50% off of being a camera operator. So, um, that is still how I pay my mortgage most months. Um, but my love and my passion again is story making. And you absolutely can do that behind a video camera. And and that is no small part, if not one of the largest parts of storytelling. Um, but I wanted to move into the section that was, uh, writing. And so, Mm. um, really, I mean, if, if we want to get real personal, you and I met probably six months out of, of me leaving that job. Um, and we began shooting a lot. Um, and I camera opt for you uh, a lot. And, uh, at the time you and I were both doing, you know, this, but I'll tell people listening, you and I were both kind of just doing that. Um, you know, like two camera op sort of setup, um, right. yep. uh, heavy, you know, a lot of the stories told in the editing and in the shots. And, um, I think we sort of evolved together, um, with your, your company, nine, eight central, which does a lot of commercial production. Uh, we just sort of started to evolve together. And after, you know, we shot shelter County together. Um, so I guess if yep. I'm talking to the audience right now, Will and I shot shelter <laughs> County in 2014. Um, because you called up and basically said like, man, let's just do something narrative. Let's just shoot it. Just write it yep. and we'll shoot it. Yep. And we shot shelter County and that was super fun. And we got w- tons of great feedback, not in any way to belittle you or any of the actors or crew that worked on it. Um, all of it was well-deserved. You guys did incredible, but I was shocked by the amount of positive feedback we got for how yeah. much planning, uh, you know, and, and pre-production didn't go into it. You know? right. Um, exactly. how, how, how yeah, cause we were, we were trying to shoot, uh, we were going to be shooting that web series, um, on super. And I told you, I said, look, man, we've worked together in corporate setting. Um, um by that time, probably a year. So, but we've never worked together in a narrative setting. And before we shoot, you know, a 10 day episodic, you know, uh, thing, let's actually yeah. just shoot something small. And, mm-hmm. and I think I remember you telling me like, yeah, I got this great idea. It's this, you know, and I was like, no, man, it's gotta be simple. Like you got, we gotta like, just keep it simple. Like two people in a room, you know, and yeah, here I am, yeah. I'm the cinematographer. So I don't care like that. That's like the most difficult thing to ever Right. Um, <laughs> and I was like, come on, we got to shoot in a couple weeks, two people in a room. And, and you, I think you came back and you were just like, man, okay, so I got this and they're going to be the, over here and they're going to come over here. I was like, no, man, two people in one room. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so uh, you did it and you did a great job. It was, it was, uh, Thank you. It was a fun kind of Coen's brothers kind of, you know, yeah. Um, and not to, uh, not to take it down a rabbit hole, but uh, we ended up getting accepted to go to a film festival. First film yeah. festival I ever attended. Um, 
we sit there, watch it get screened, and people are laughing <laughs> during, <laughs> during what I thought were the dramatic parts. But um, yeah, you know, me too. The audience found humor, and so like I remember leaning leaning over to you like in the middle of it and said, "Well, I guess we uh, we filmed a comedy here." Um, but <laughs> you just kind of like shrugged your shoulders, like, "Okay, whatever." But you know, we ended up uh, getting an award at the film festival, so you know. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um another director MJ slide saying to me, well, so there was a question that came up at the Q and a afterwards. And someone was like, how did you write, you know, how did you balance the humor in that? And I took the microphone and I just said, I didn't, I, <laughs> I, I, I that's just what comes out of me. Uh, I wasn't trying to write a comedy. If you, if you laughed in an, not at it, but with it, then great. You know, like you, you got what you got. And I remember MJ saying, like afterwards she said hey thanks for not bsing that question <laughs> thanks for just answering honestly yeah. um, oh, i would have been like well the juxtaposition in between the, uh, the female actor and the man i think if i tried to make myself sound intelligent and purposeful everyone it would have only uh dug me a hole so yeah probably yeah we all know uh but yeah it's it's yeah it's funny that's that's one of the things about you know um making movies and putting it out there for the world to, to consume and enjoy. You just never know how it's going to mm-hmm. be received, yeah. you know, and it's never received how you want it to be received necessarily. I mean, it's right. not in the sense of it's not, it's your baby and you always look at it a certain way, but then when you send it out, you know, people always enjoy it in a different way, um, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily bad. It's just interesting watching, yeah, you know, how people react. Yeah. So I think what was cool about that is, is, we found we could do film. And then since then we've had the, or I've had, uh, hopefully you can echo this, the, the pleasure and, and just kind of had a blast being able to incorporate that into the commercial world a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, we, you know, we've worked on projects together under nine, eight central for Samsung. Um, and, uh, GE, and a lot of these, like Sam, Samsung, especially being an example of, I think, um, what really sold us was that storytelling aspect. And so yep. um, I, I love that. I love working with brands, especially, you know, ones like the Samsung that job that are super into, like, bring your creativity, bring your storytelling um, into this this you know, our brand and, and tell our story, but, but give you, give us freedom to, to tell a story. And we got to do a lot of humor, um, on shoots like that. And so, um, I mean, there's, there's no day I don't wake up and just think I'm incredibly blessed to get to do this. So what do you think, um, like for the people that are listening that are, you know, they want to be in your shoes. They wanted to be able to create, uh, shorts and, and, you know, create narrative stuff and, you know, live the dream as you described it. And maybe they, they're right now, they're, they're not doing the job that necessarily they want to do. They're doing something that's maybe yeah. corporate. What's that secret? What's that thing that, that, uh, they need to know, uh, to help them kind of like, I don't know, get, get closer to, to the, to where their goals are. Do it. Um, so when you'd say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we'll get sued by Nike, but just do it. I mean, that, that needs to be every filmmakers, um, every filmmakers motto. Like Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to be a filmmaker, um, as we just said, shelter County, I think one, maybe two weeks went into 
from the time the script was written to the time it was shot. Um, I don't remember the exact turnaround. Um, but then two other examples are um, Enders, which we did last year, short film yep. you and I did together. Uh, I think was it 72 hours between the time we decided we wanted to shoot something to the time we wrapped on that. Um, yeah, super short. Three or four days. But it was, uh, I mean, that's like script was written and everything. Um, and then even, I actually just shot a short film yesterday that was, uh, six days from the time I literally just had someone say, Hey, I've wanted to shoot something with you for a long time. I have Monday, the 15th open. And I was like, you mean like in six days? (laughs) Um, and so, uh, you know, it's not like, like, and Enders was last year, uh, just a few months ago. And this one was yesterday. Uh, and so you know, being at this for years, it's still just to like, Oh, if we have the chance to do something, we're just going to go out and do it. Um, and it might be awful. Like your, you know, your first one might be awful, but it might be awesome. Uh, but either way, uh, uh, let me backtrack to this. I'm, I'm a huge nerd and I, I frequent comic conventions and you know, whatever. Um, there was a, yeah, even I even helped start one here in, in Greenville. So shout out to SC Comic Con family; they're incredible. Um, I was at a Comic Con last year, and and one of the biggest writers, you know, he did Avengers and Iron Man and, and all these big things. Um, you know, they, he's the kind of guy who they they pretty much just he writes an original comic. Like if he comes up with a concept, he's got movie studios in line waiting to buy the rights to it. So. Um, wow. He's talking and uh, he and his wife and they were doing a panel and someone said, um, when do you know it's the right time to send off a script? Uh, And he said, well, there's a few different things. Uh, He said, but one of the things is if you are someone with a head full of brilliant ideas of just the best stories ever told and they're just in your head, then you're a dreamer. If you're Mm -hmm. someone with a decent to bad idea <laughs> who has written and given that story to people, you're a writer. Yeah. Um, I just think that's so true. Uh, you know, if, if you're just going to be, you can have the best ideas ever, but if they're not produced, if they're not out there, uh, then you're not a filmmaker. But if you are making stuff and you're producing stuff, um, then you are making films and, uh, you can hone your craft and get better. Uh, but yeah, I just think you have to do it. And and if there's one thing I've learned, it's that there's a community that wants to do it with you. You know, I'm, I'm still, uh, every time you and I walk on set together, I'm, I'm like, I can't believe Will wants to take the time to shoot this. <laughs> and then yeah. crew shows up and then actors show up. And I think I can't believe these people also want to say the words I wrote on a page. Mm. Um, it's humbling, it still isn't just it? boggles my mind every time. It's very humbling. Um, yeah. but there are people out there who are on your level or better than you and they will actually want to do your thing. You just have to find them. Yeah. Uh, so do it. I mean, that, that's the, do it, take criticism um, from the right people, find the people who are going to be really honest, find the people who are going to be constructive criticism, um, people you can trust. Uh, and you know, that's not like, that's not me all the time. I, I only give, real constructive criticism to people who I believe in. Uh, if people yeah. want to email me their script and I don't know them, I, I just won't. And it's not because I don't want to take the time to read your script. It's because I don't, don't know that you'll take my criticism the right way, you know? Um, but find people who 
are close to you, understand you, understand your vision, but also understand your weakness and uh, have them critique a film you've made and don't, don't take it personally. But I just think, uh, yeah, I would say make something, let people break the thing you've made and make the next thing even better. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. And I think, you know, the creative industry um, suffers from, I don't know, this, 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 uh, I don't know, this mindset of I have to wait to the perfect project or I have to make sure that, you know, I have the perfect set of lenses or, or camera, you know, and, you know, or, or they're, this frustrates me so much. They're, they're sitting in a small Southern country town um, and they're trying to make a, um, like a, a, a star Wars equivalent or, or they're trying to write something about Canada or some, some, or a tie, like instead of just like writing what, about what they know, you know, doing what's simple and easy, you know, they're trying to dream big and, you know, I don't know. It's just, there's such a, it can't be understated um, or it can't be overstated. I mean, um, you have to create and uh, you just have to go out and do it. And even if you're working a nine to five, you know, that means that you're giving eight hours to the man and then you have, you know, 16 other hours to devote to your craft. Yep. And, uh, and it, it just, it's a, it's a matter of just will. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you don't, you don't need as much sleep as you think. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I would always say dream big, but create practically. Yeah. Um, and then what is practical will expand as you go. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you do that? How do you, uh, become a, a practical filmmaker? Um, and what does that mean? Yeah. And, and I think you've hit on it. Um, you know, you and I, we live in Greenville, so we can, uh, just speak from experience. Greenville is a, um, a a decent sized city. It's got a lot going for it. It also has, uh, the mountains and the country and the beach all within driving distance. Excuse me. Um, but I think, um, you have to write to your location uh, and not necessarily like every, you know, I grew up in Woodruff, South Carolina. Uh, it's where we filmed Shelter County. Um, it's and if a, you it's haven't small heard of Woodruff, town. South Carolina, don't worry. You are You're not alone. millions of people. It's, it's, and it's not at the end of Woodruff Road, as most people think. You have to no. go to the end, end of Woodruff Road and then keep driving. Through the cow pasture. Past the <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's... It's a wonderful, beautiful town. I'm not knocking on it, but it is a small Southern town. And so Shelter County, uh, I said, well, you know, my parents have a field. My parents have uh, a house built in the early nineties on a, you know, a bunch of property. And that's where we're going to shoot Shelter County. And, uh, Shelter County is about a, a, a woman who's abused and then murders her husband and a cop, a young cop comes to check it out. And he's kind of, seduced by her in a way that he can just overlook it. And, uh, I don't know about that. I, I had wonderful parents. Uh, my wife, I don't abuse her. She wouldn't kill me. (laughs) And I know very little about, uh, law enforcement. So, um, (laughs) you know, I, I won't say that those characters are the type of people I know, uh, but a small Southern town, that's the basis of it. I know that I know I could shoot it there. Yep. Um, Unsuper is is sort of a <clears throat> a sprawling uh, achievement when it comes to how much we 
filmed in how little a time and how little a budget we had. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Unsuper is a snarky, comedic take on superheroes where the main characters are not the superheroes. The main characters are like the superheroes, dry cleaner and psychologist. Um, but that's a good example of, as previously stated, I'm a nerd, love superheroes, know a lot about them. Uh, but uh, we don't have the special effects budget to animate an exploding city. And so I wanted to write a superhero comedy and I thought, you know what I can do? We can show a dry cleaner and a, a superhero costume. Yeah. We can base it around these characters. Um, and honestly, I think it's so much better. It came out the year Deadpool came out. So people were kind of primed for like funny superhero stuff. Um, but it's nothing like Deadpool because it's not really about superheroes. Um, and we didn't try to write Deadpool because we couldn't <laughs> shoot right. that. Yeah. Um, but we were still able to write something in that vein. It's a PG, not R-rated version. Um, but we were able to write something in that vein of like superhero comedy. Um, just shooting what we could, shooting what we know, shooting it around Greenville. It's in an, a nondescript city, uh, you know, like Metropolis. Um, but you shoot interiors. You don't shoot you know, giant sprawling main street areas. Um, and yeah, I mean, creative. you don't have to write. I think limitations yes. make you more creative. I don't think it makes the, the project necessarily less, you know, um, yep. you can do a lot with the little that you have. Yeah. You know, they did a study not to rant. I'll make this as short as possible. They did a study. Um, a bunch of psychology students did a study at one of the big universities and they took the um, architecture students from the university and they said, design a house. They hooked them up to all these things, you know, and they said, design a house that has no budget limitations, no anything limitations, just design your dream house. And they had all this stuff hooked up to them that basically like shows what parts of their brain are stimulated and how much. And so they tracked everything as these um, architecture students designed their dream house with no limitations. And they said, okay, now design a second house. Um, if you only had a $500,000 budget, um, you can only have this many windows, you know, this many windows, this many entrances, this many bedrooms, whatever. They just set up sort of these parameters on them. Mm. Uh, and they had all the students design a house and again, tracked like parts of their brains that were stimulated far and above the part of the brain that is creative was stimulated when they had to problem solve their way around these restrictions they actually got more creative than when they were given a blank canvas and nothing. Yep. And so I think it's important to remember that um, don't let your limitations be limitations that uh, define what you do by limiting them. Let them be limitations that allow you to be more creative and create something within the mold you have. Um, and you can get incredible results from that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Just a, if you, a quick if example. You, sorry. <clears throat> yeah. And if you fight the limitations, I think it makes your project, it, you just feel it in the project and it just, you, you know, you but totally if, you, if you accept it and go, okay, this is, this is what it is now. What can we do? You know, go ahead. And arrested, I was going to say arrested development, the, the TV show, one of my favorites is a, is a, is a great example of that. Um, I'm not hating on the fourth season like a lot of people do, but I think the fourth season was um, the, the least good season out of a lot of good seasons, but uh, seasons one through three, they were on Fox primetime and being part of broadcast TV. There's so many limitations and they wrote 
some really funny things that they snuck in <laughs> by being very creative. Um, and those limitations that they had of being on broadcast TV just made the show what it was really. Um, yeah. It really, I think, set the tone and the voice uh, and the creativity and the just it was a very different show because of that. And then when they got season four on Netflix, they could literally do anything they wanted. And I think without those limitations, the show just felt a little less creative. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I think um, it, it, it just, it comes back to, to story. Uh, it comes mm. back to like, what is the writing like? What is the directing like? You know, how are you uh, managing the camera work you know, with whatever camera you Absolutely. have, you know, and just making what you can, you know, I think yep. like, for instance, like one of my favorite movies is eight mile. I just love that movie so much. I know that about you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. Yeah. I missed it. I, I kind of missed it. Didn't watch it. And I watched it like, uh, three months ago. Um, and it's one of the greatest movies I think I've ever seen in my life. It has one of the wow. most climatic, uh, endings with that final mm. rap battle. Um, you know, you have all these people jammed into this room. And it's just, you know, the writing and the acting, the acting's not perfect. You know, the writing isn't perfect, but it's very real. It feels, it feels real. Uh, It feels like Mm. a real story uh, made in an area that's real, you know, by a guy Mm. that's lived it and and done it. You take take him and you stick him, you know, on a starship and no one's going to, you know, (laughs) be like, hey, load those torpedoes, yo. You know, no one's going to get that. Um, (laughs) But, you know, put him on the street, you know, make him, you know, be uh, a trailer trash, as he calls himself. Uh, then then suddenly, you know, living with his mom, you know, suddenly he there. There you go. Um, yeah. But like that that ending uh, scene is just amazing. And he's there and he's he, he's against this this guy. And that's been, you know, just like messing him over from beginning to end. And, you know, there's nothing going well for him at all. And he's doing this rap battle against this guy. And the, the room is just filled with people that are just into the scene and it's so dramatic and it's so big and it's so powerful. Um, it, it reminds me of like, uh, like a blockbuster, you know, space battle thing, you know, like that you would see yeah. uh, put out, like the, the people put, you know, pour millions of dollars into. And here, you know, you have 60 extras, you know, maybe a little more in a mm-hmm. dark room and that's it, you know, and they film it. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's about like, what are those resources that you have and what's that story mm-hmm. And just going out and making it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many, I mean, I could, <clears throat> I could write a book. We could write a book on, on the filmmakers who have done that, who have just made yeah. what they could with what, I mean, Gareth Edwards is a great example of, he directed uh, star Wars rogue one. That's mm-hmm. his third film he ever directed. Second film he ever directed was Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And the first film he ever directed was something he wrote shot and directed himself for a sub $1 million budget, you know? So a guy goes out and with an $800,000 budget writes, shoots, edits a film. And the very next thing he's offered is Godzilla. And the very next thing he's offered is a star Wars movie. Um, and his whole, yeah. And his whole, um, reason for going in, like his whole reason for making monsters, which is his first film his whole mantra was let's just make what we can with what we have. And it's a wonderful character driven film. It's really good. It's really pretty too. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, there's so many stories of success. I mean, you can go from anything lowbrow, like it's, 
Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which, you know, oh, I don't yeah. personally consume that kind of, that, that, that comedy. <laughs> Not a big fan of it, but of that type, you know, comedy. But um, like, like they do it very well. And, and mm-hmm. they did it very low budget, even after oh, they yeah. uh, got signed mm-hmm. on and, and had a, you know, a, yep. an agreement with the <clears throat> network, you know, for years, it was just dumb low budget. And, you yeah. know, it's, and, you know, like, uh, Watiti, you know, like he's, he just did Thor Ragnarok yeah. Oh yeah. and, uh, you know, he started super small and, and was doing mm-hmm. the little, like, you know make it for 3 million and, and make $10 million off of it and then make another one for 3 million and, and just did amazing work. Yeah. And you know, the thing I think about both those examples, you know, like all the, it's always sunny main cast now, like they're all in high demand. Like two of them have their own network television comedies now. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, Charlie day has got a, a great film career. All those all those guys are in such high demand and, and Takawa Titi is another example. The biggest thing they had was that they have a very clear voice. They have a very clear vision and style and, um, and they do that thing well. Um, yep. But I think all of them have a voice that's so distinct that um, people are going to want that voice because it's different. It's unique. Um, but it's still a really good character driven story that those people create. And I think the genuineness of of their work <clears throat> and the purity of their work and that it's their work um, yep. is is the thing that's attractive, you know. And I think that's yep. a great takeaway for anybody that's listening and, and for us as well, you know. Like we have to create the stuff that's genuine to us, you know. And, and yep. wherever we are, what, whatever's happened to us in our life that's, that's made us who we are, um, just embrace mm-hmm. it and be like, this is the kind of stuff I love to do. It may or may not be popular right now, but it might one day. And, you know, I'm just going yeah, to create absolutely. it. You absolutely. Know? And not, not, you know, not to get, um, I, I 100% agree and not to bring up anything controversial, but I think we're in a, at a time right now where um, more than ever, people want to hear your story. No matter who you are, um, you know, race, gender, whatever, people just want authentic stories. And you've got to mm-hmm. really great platform and film to tell a story that only you can tell uh, no matter who you are. And I think we're finally opening up to the point where we just want to hear great human stories. Um, And so, yeah, like write what makes you unique Um, and people want it. They'll want it. It'll find an audience. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the last thing that we've, we've uh, created together um, was uh, house lights. Uh, You wrote that and directed it and did a fantastic job with it. Um, Thank you. Will. And I uh, appreciate you having me come on as the, the cinematographer for that one. But um, there's no so, other choice. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't mean I had no other options. <laughs> I mean, there was no other. I didn't consider anyone. Yeah, yeah well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, that came out wrong. Yeah, no, it's, fine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's what they call a Freudian slip there, bud. Yeah. Uh, look it up. Be sure. Fuzzy about what that means. Um, oh, man. But yeah, so. Um, Something I think that kind of go along along the lines of what we we're talking about was this was uh, a a movie or a short about um, a play, and it was kind of like behind mm-hmm. the scenes of this play, and it was filmed at uh, a theater, um, and yeah. I think that's what really helped sell some of the genuineness. I mean, like great performance, oh, yeah. great directing was great, but like having it in a location that was real, 
um, mm-hmm. really helped it, I think, uh, come alive and maybe allowed the actors to act, you know, and, and kind of yeah. get to it as well. But um, so maybe walk me, walk us through kind of like what, because uh, we'll have this, uh, we'll have uh, house lights in the show notes as well um, so people can watch cool. it. But kind of what was your inspiration for um, creating house lights and um, kind of what were you hoping to, to do with it? Yeah. So, um, I'll get, I'll get real, real nebulously artsy and then I'll bring it back to practicality. Yes, please. Um, okay. Um, I'm a believer and I, I like to think that, um, there's some good Christian film out there. Um, but I think the best way that Christians can make film is to use film as parables. Um, and so, I want all my films to have sort of this parable like quality to them. Um, and house lights is one is one of the more rougher around the edges films I've written. Um, but I still wanted there to be this, this parable aspect. So any script I write sort of begins with usually something I'm learning about myself. Um, and then I expand that into, you know, a concept of some sort. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, unsuper is really just about, um, killing passivity, like just not being passive, but that's wrapped up in a quirky slapstick, like sitcom superhero comedy. Sure. Um, house lights, uh, is really about how insecurity can make you your own worst enemy. Um, and how we can kind of have the tendency to self-destruct, just from being um, doubtful and insecure, uh, how we can hurt ourselves and others through doing that. So um, that's the concept. And then if you want to take it down to some of the practicality, I wanted to make a film that um, really, really, really served actors and really served um, the crew like you, like a, a cinematographer. So I wanted to make something that had the potential to be beautiful and visually different than what I've done before um, while also serving some really good moments for the actors. Mm. Um, And so then we, we kind of flipped it into that very practical side, you know, thinking what, what we can shoot. And um, that was, it was shot at Anderson university where I attended school and graduated uh, six years ago. Um, along with Jonathan Raines and Amber Inslee, who star in the movie. They were in the theater department there. I was not. Um, so that stage we filmed on is extremely familiar to them. <laughs> um, you know, they, they knew every, every part of it. And then the other two actors, Josh and Morgan, who are husband and wife in real life, um, they had not acted in film before. Uh, they are, they were up until this point, just theater actors. And so even transitioning to film, they had that theater experience. They also were very comfortable in a theater. They knew their way around. Um, so yeah, we just, it was very, it was a very practical thing. It was a practical way to show, you know, I'm not a theater person, but to show and be set around this thing, a, a theater show, a performance um, that's still just kind of like, peels back the mind of artists and create creatives um, and just sort of sh- shows mentally relationally uh, what those people go through. And uh, I think it 
hopefully doesn't just speak to um, theater people or just speak to creatives, but speaks to everyone can kind of find a little bit about um, their insecurity and uh, how unhealthy that can be in, in these characters. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it was really good. I, I enjoyed the, uh, the way you said it around the show that we never see. Um, I love, I love things that are surrounded kind of like a, it surrounds an object or a, a moment, you know, like there's a great, um, episode in masters of none in the second season, uh, that's around a Thanksgiving table. I love it when, when writers and directors kind of like go around this, this thing and, and kind of like mm-hmm. you, you never see the, the, the actual Thanksgiving necessarily, or, or the actual play, but you see mm-hmm. like the, the people reacting to it and it kind of like explains, yeah. you know, you kind of see it by fiat, I guess, but how do you write something that is, is shootable and executable? Mm. Um, like what's, is it just experience, you know, after doing it for a while going like, Oh, I'm never going to do that again. You know, I'll never write that part again. <laughs> or I mean, like, yeah. do you just know not to write, you know, at midnight, three 18 wheelers, you know, and full torrential <laughs> rain, you know, come down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think if anything, I might not be the best person to ask this question because I, uh, with the exception of Unsuper, I think I, I tend to write smaller and be a little afraid to write bigger. Mm. Uh, I think practicality from day one, like <laughs> everything I do is practicality from day one, from day one. I actually wrote a um, spec script for a uh, Netflix series last year, <clears throat> and it's a, a comic book series. Um, so I, I uh wrote this episode of this show to send to the producers Mm. and uh, you know, 47 page script is what I had to come up with. And uh, I had the hardest time filling 47 pages because I just kept thinking, man, I need to write some action here. I need to put an explosion in here. (laughs) They're going to want to see a fight. They're going to want to see this. They need to see a, a, you know, a lab explosion. And so having to sort of write around these big things, that's actually, if, if I want to advance my career, I've got to shift my mindset a little bit into, um, uh, dreaming a little bigger. Um, but yeah, I I think I've somewhat conditioned to just know, what is possible and, and house lights is probably the largest scale thing I've wrote, you know, just hoping we could get into a theater. Yeah. Uh, I wrote it before knowing we could get into a theater. And then we actually ended up getting into the theater that I had in mind. Like I was imagining as I wrote the script. So it, it ended out perfect. Um, but yeah, I just think it's knowing um, you just got to be practical. You just have to be very practical. Um, I will say that, you know, knowing, people like you um, I would have been afraid to have written house lights a year ago, just, or or not a year ago, but maybe three years ago, even just from thinking uh, we don't have the crew. Uh, We don't have the, the cinematographer. We don't have the sound guy to really um, pull this off. Well, yeah. So I think uh, as, as you create great relationships, your possibilities expand, Uh, but it's good to know, know your limits <laughs> and yeah. uh, know when to break your limits or know when to expand what you think your limits are. Um, but yeah, it really just takes, I mean, you said it exactly like, you know, you can't get an 18 wheeler, so just don't write it in. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you know that 
you don't know anyone who do does visual effects. So just don't write explosions. Um, unless you want to learn, learn some after effects and learn to do some explosion. I think there's nothing wrong with writing a film that, you know, will be a learning experience. Um, but you should also know that that film is going to take eight months longer (laughs) to edit if you're uh, learning something new. So, And, uh, and people can't watch what you haven't released. You know, and right. so if you're uh, if it's still right. editing, being edited and you're still trying to figure out how to do explosions correctly, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to see. Don't you think being a director yep. is, is about knowing your resources? You know, it's it's like what resources do you have? You know, what locations do you have? What people do you have mm-hmm. that you can work with? You know, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you said it great. Know your resources and also um <laughs> Keep a running list of your relationships. You know, uh, you can get locations if you, um, you, you know, if you had if you shot in someone's house and you treated it with a ton of respect, and you treated them very well, and you treated their stuff very well. Maybe that person is also the owner of an office building, and so in the next shoot, if you need an office building, they're going to say, "Oh yeah, we didn't even know they were in our house." Of course, we'll let them film in our office building. Um, yeah, I think it's about. Uh, managing expectation, managing possibility, and also um, just forming great relationships and, and treating people and things with respect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Um, so, looking toward the future, uh, what's your what's your goals for yourself? Like, what's the thing that you you know want to be? Where do you want to be in five years? I would say. Uh, you know, coming this year, uh, immediately on our scope is you and I have a, a film I'm very excited to shoot yes. with, uh, the actor Jim Meskimen. Uh, yep. that's in first week of March, I yep. believe. Yep. Um, so that'll be a SAG set. That'll be, uh, in, in many ways, one of the, the larger sets we've done together. Yes. Um, so that is a step forward. That's a huge, cool step forward. And then, uh, after that, we're looking into um, Unsuper Season 2, which um, is kind of contingent on budget at the moment. But if we produce Unsuper Season 2, it'll be bigger, better, longer, um, very much as, as we've done just the little bit of post-production we've done already. Um, very much something that I would say is broadcast quality. Yep. Um, and uh, I, do, I do love writing. As I've said before, I think that's, I would call myself a writer before anything else. And so over the next few years, kind of my projection is um, I would love to write for television. Um, I could sell a screenplay for a film and I'm, I'm working on a couple now and I'd be happy to do that. Um, but, I, you know, I'd really love to get into a good writer's room and, and it is, man, it's a, it's a exciting and heartbreaking time <laughs> to be a filmmaker right now because mm. people want content so bad, you yeah. know, um, Apple is now in the, you know, Apple's looking for original content. Facebook's looking for original content. Everyone's looking for it. Um, and you just try and, you know, try to get your foot in the door. People, people want what you have. Oh, a yeah. lot of people want what you have and you just have to find an audience with them. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, the, the day of having to live in, Los Angeles or having to live in New York, um, that's becoming a thing of the past. You can be a really great storyteller and content creator from 
uh, at the very least Atlanta, if not Greenville, if not Iowa. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I would love to get to write, um, write and produce for TV, uh, would be the dream. If I got to direct some episodes, that'd be cool. If I got to write, that would be the goal. Man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Oh, in this yeah, podcast this has been a blast uh there's so much content so much things to uh <laughs> to share with the community i can't wait to uh we're going to be releasing this uh this podcast soon before i let you go just want to ask you a few more questions the just really quick fire kind of questions we've already talked about movies so this lightning round same, yeah the lightning round um this may be the same <laughs> um as what you said before but what are the three must see movies you know if if someone's crawling out of a cave uh, or mm. you can say even even people that may be um, uh, cineophiles who who need to just kind of like catch up on a few things. So what are like the three must sees for you, for you? Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, definitely Fargo, <laughs> uh, as we've already mentioned. Um, I'm not doing good on the lightning round. I don't want to rehash what I've already said, but I, I think I will. I would say <clears throat> I would say Fargo, Drive, and Star Wars: A New Hope, mm. or Empire Strikes Back, but just go with the New Hope. Really, New Hope guy. Okay, you're not an Empire guy. Yeah, I mean, Empire Strikes Back is the better movie, but uh, Lucas did an incredible job of creating this wonderful, amazing universe that you know there's so much more to. But a New Hope is also, you know, he didn't know he was going to make more, so it's also this really great contained story. That's true. Um, yeah. And you can't have so you can't have episodes. <clears throat> you know, other episodes without the first one. What's an educational resource, like a book or a blog, a blog or a podcast that you would uh, recommend? Yeah. As, as previously stated, I think uh, BTS cinema, especially future episodes after this one will probably be a great resource. Um, <clears throat> in the book, I would say uh, in the blink of an eye, it's a super short, really great read by Walter Murch, who's a, um, an editor in Hollywood, he did Godfather Part Two. He did uh, Apocalypse Now. Um, I'm not an editor by specialty, um, but I mean, this dude like cut film together, mm. and he's also now using you know like Premiere Pro. He's he's done everything. Mm. Um, but to think about a cut and to think about um, how I plan shots and how you think about what you're communicating to your audience. I would say uh, in the blink of an eye is like a, you know, it's like a hundred pages. It's, it's really just like a lecture he made basically transcribed. So uh, great read for anyone from a cinematographer to a writer, to a director, to even an actor to understand kind of the psychology and the reason for editing in film. Um, I would highly suggest that it's probably like 10 bucks on Amazon. And then uh, yeah, I'd say uh DGA. Yeah. I'll scratch it. I'll scratch plugging another podcast and just say any director's commentary of any film you own that you love. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's so powerful. That's a great one. I'm going to start doing that one. That's a great hack. Um, so where can people, and you know, well, sometimes they put the cinematographer on the commentary and that is like bonus out. If you get the director and the cinematographer on a commentary reel, you've struck gold, like buy <laughs> five awesome. copies of that Blu-ray. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it, it, as long as it's not Roger Deakins, he just like crosses his legs and his in his jeans and, and goes, "Well, I just thought I would do it this way." I did what the director wanted. Yeah, <laughs> I, the director. I just talked to him and I thought oh, it'd be great if we just did this for no apparent yeah. reason. 
uh, <laughs> too funny. So uh, where can people reach you? Yeah. Um, so people can reach me at uh, the micataylorsite.com. That's my personal director site. And then uh, electricsoulproductions.com and also on Instagram. Uh, and then Vimeo, if you want to see our films that we've done together, uh, I believe both the, the nine, eight central Vimeo has password, which is one of the, it's the second film we ever did together. Yep. Uh, and then the electric soul, uh, has a lot of the other films we've done. And then also, man, just reach me everywhere. I could be a little more succinct about this, but, uh, uh, season one of unsuper is on Amazon video. We'll include all the links to um, your social and, and all that uh, in the show notes. We'll also include um, as much stuff as I can in the show notes as well. Uh, <laughs> as far as what we talked about, try to make those as comprehensive yeah. as possible. Um, and the resources that you've listed, uh, we'll, we'll include those as well. But man, appreciate your friendship and appreciate you uh, coming on as, on the inaugural, <clears throat> the first episode. Oh, feels great. Thanks for having me, Will. Take care. Appreciate it. So that's it. That's the show. What'd you think? If you loved it and think others will too, would you take the time to give it five stars on iTunes? You have no idea what a difference that makes. Links to Micah and his work can be found online in the show notes at btscinema.com. Just look for this episode. It's episode one. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. My username is will.tv. I'm Will Stewart. Until next time, thanks for listening.